Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Wesley Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, filling in for Pastor Dave, let's join Pastor Justin. Welcome to part seven of the Pastor Justin Show. Uh, um, for those of you uh, wondering, um, Pastor Dave, uh, of course, is serving with the uh, Women's Emmaus Retreat that's going on this weekend, and uh, he has asked for me to fill in for him. Uh, and before I get started on that, I would like to have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. God, I just pray that any words, any wisdom that come from my lips come straight from your Spirit, and that your Holy Spirit would be in here to intercede and to touch hearts and to touch lives with your salvation, with your grace. Lord, we love you praise in your name. Amen. And uh, I'm going to take just a brief moment to introduce myself. Um, some of you may know who I am. Others are thinking, wow, that guy's up here a lot and I've never met him before. And so I don't want that to be the case. Uh, I want to let you know that my name is Justin Altman. Uh, my beautiful wife down here is Amanda. We've been together two years. She's put up with me that long. Um, it's really quite remarkable. Uh, my parents uh, put up with me longer, but that's because they had to. So uh, once you understand that, it makes a little sense. Um, I started ministry. Wow, that's a crazy question. Uh, I started ministry when I was 16 years old. Uh, I started teaching children's church at the church that I was a part of. Um, way in over my head, had no idea what I was doing, much like today. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I was way in over my head and there were, you know, 40, 50 kids coming in every week and looking to me to give them some spiritual wisdom and, and, uh, thank, uh, goodness that God is good because He allowed, uh, those kids to learn something even while they were in there with me. But I started when I was 16. Um, I was ordained in the ministry just a few years ago, about four years ago. And that's when I got the wonderful uh, reverend title, which I never used. Please don't call me that. Um, but I have to tell you a little bit about uh, my heart. And uh, that became a, a phrase about 20 years ago. What's your heart for ministry? Where does your heart be? What do you want? Your, what, what does your heart say about ministry? And my heart has always been young people. Um, I, I thought it was going to be mostly uh, students. And then uh, at one point I thought it would be just children. And then God told me that, uh, they're all great, even middle schoolers. Uh, they're all great. Um, I was really struggling uh, coming out of, of high school into my first year in college. The church that I had grown up in uh, went through a nasty, nasty split. There were accusations being thrown around, a lot of people not acting very Christ-like. It hurt me. The church that had sort of grown me and helped me to develop as a, as a young man uh, all of a sudden was just an evil place to be. And I struggled, and I asked God, what in the world am I supposed to do with this? The place that, that taught me everything I know turns out to be a terrible place, and, and I feel like I'm supposed to serve you. And he pointed me in the direction of something called Centrakid Camps. Centrakid Camps. Uh, they were camps for third through sixth graders all around the country. I, I signed up to work a summer not knowing what in the world I was getting into, and I ended up meeting just that summer alone over 4,000 kids. Um, and during that summer, over 100 of them gave their lives to Christ through the ministry that we were doing. 
And it was that summer uh, that I really believe God told me, all right, this is it. You found it. This is what I want you to do with the rest of your life. And so like anyone uh, who hears that for the first time, I ignored it. Uh, I, went, I went through another whole year of school. I was going to do broadcast communications. I was going to be a uh, television or a radio personality. And by the way, it took a long time, but I'm there. Hey, that's cool. I'm doing uh, games on the radio. That's fun. Uh, but I, that's, I said, you know what? I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to do this myself. Um, I, I decided to keep doing that, but I was going to go work one more year of camp. And at that year of camp, um, I just really felt God telling me, this is what you need to do. And sometimes uh, with people that God will open doors and you'll figure out your way and you'll, you'll walk through and everything's wonderful and blissful. Uh, with me, God moves me place to place by slamming doors so that I run face first into them and know that's not the one. I ran face first into six different majors at the University of South Florida before uh, I got to that summer. And, I, and God told me, listen, you're going to be a pastor to youth and children. I said, well, how in the world is that going to happen? Well, the next week I got a call. Someone saying, hey, can you come help out with our, our student ministry when you get back to town? And I thought, that's pretty cool, God. That's a pretty cool trick. Six weeks later, I got a call back from that same person saying, hey, can you come take over the youth ministry at our church? I was in over my head again. That was six years ago. Um, God has been wonderful to me in these past six years. Um, I've grown a lot in more ways than one. Um, but God has been so faithful to me and, and providing uh, for me and my family. And, um, and uh, just a couple years ago, I, I came to a point in my life where I was ready to have a family. And I have to give you this testimony, and then we'll get into the scripture for today. I, uh, I was at a, a Wednesday night service with my youth group over at my former church, and, and we had just done a Bible study on the prayer of uh, Jabez. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. Uh, Jabez prayed that the Lord would bless, bless him and expand his territory. And we talked about how it wasn't wrong for God to, uh, for, to pray for God's blessing. Uh, if we were in the center of God's will, that God wanted to bless us. And so we had a prayer service where we had one single microphone up on stage. Uh, we uh, had a little bit of music playing in the background. I simply told the students, whatever you want to pray for, whatever you want to share, there's a microphone. You go tell God. You'll be telling us. We'll pray for you. And so we, we went through this service. for about 45 minutes in. A bunch of students had gone up there. You know, there were prayer groups forming. It was a really powerful night. And I just felt God telling me, well... It's your turn. And I remember saying, thinking, no, I'm not a student. <laughs> this is one of the perks of being the pastor. You can tell everyone else to do it, and you just sit and watch. I'm like, I've done this before. But I got up there, and I stood in front of that microphone, and I just let my heart out. I said, God, I'm ready for my family. I, at this point, I was working another job. I was working this job at the church. I was working about 70 hours a week. Meeting uh, wonderful women of God wasn't exactly something I had a ton of time for. I said, God, I'm ready to start my family. Please bring me a wife. At this point, I was a part-time at the church. I was working uh, 30 hours in another job, and I was going to school. And I said, Lord, if you could just see fit to allow me to be full-time, full-time in ministry. That's just in my heart. And we had a need at the church at that time. We had a youth group of about 25 to 30 kids, and we didn't have a way to get them from one place to another. So God, I just said, please, will you provide us transportation so we can get around? And that was in November of 2009. 
My wedding date was October 2nd of 2010. I married my beautiful wife. About two months before that, the uh, church had a bus donated to them uh, to take the youth around on trips and other things. And about three months before that, I had been voted in full-time as the youth and children's pastor. God answered all those big prayers of mine, things that I thought were too big to ask in under a year. If anything cemented my call into ministry, it was that. God answers prayer. He answered my prayer. The only reason I'm standing before you right now is because God has a plan for me. And he answered my prayer about giving me my purpose. And I just wanted to share that with you. And, and I wanted to ask that you would be uh, praying for me as I begin a new journey here at Trinity. If you would, if you would open your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. Uh, I've got to tell you, this is not a very youth pastory passage to be preaching. Um, you know, we're going all the way back to the Old Testament. We're in the book of Joshua, uh, chapter 24. We're going to start in, uh, in verse 1. So as you're making their way, your way there, if we would all stand to honor the reading of God's Word. And I'm actually going to start reading here. In, uh, in verse 10, or pardon me, verse 11. You crossed the Jordan, came to Jericho, and the citizens of Jericho fought against you, and the Amorite, and the Pedazite, and the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Girgashite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Thus I gave them into your hand. Then I sent the hornet before you, and it drove out the two kings of the Amorites from before you, but not by your sword or your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities which you had not built, and you have lived in them. You are eating of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. God, we just pray that your word would be hidden in our hearts here today. God, that we would learn wisdom from it, that it would speak to our lives and help us to live our lives as better followers of you. We love you and praise you in your name. Amen. You may be seated. And so here we are, uh, here are the Israelites. They've come through a lot. Uh, they are on, uh, they are now in the promised land. They're hanging out. And you remember for the Israelites, that was a big deal. That was the whole goal. They had been delivered from Egypt. They had crossed the Red Sea. They had gotten to the edge of the promised land. And as we read earlier in Numbers, uh, some scouts, some spies said, oh, can't go in there. It's too scary. And God said, well, if it's too scary, well, you're just going to have to wait. Take a number, uh, 40 more years. No one 20 or older is ever going to see the promised land. That's what he said. And so they waited 40 more years. They, they took down the Canaanites. They destroyed the walls of Jericho. They took the Ark of the Covenant across the, uh, the flooded Jordan River. They got into the promised land. They destroyed their enemies in the promised land. And Joshua is about ready to be done with his work, with his calling. And so here in Joshua chapter 24, he takes a little time to tell them 
what has happened, to give them an update on where they've been, and to give them some courage about where to go. And uh, we have a big decision coming up as a nation. I think I mentioned this before. Uh, on Tuesday, many of you will head to the polls. Some of you have already been there with early voting. Uh, if you did not know that there is an election going on, I'm convinced you don't have electricity. I, uh, I do not like political ads. I don't know if I'm alone there. Maybe that's not a bold statement. <laughs> Perhaps. This past week, we averaged getting six flyers in the mail each day. Six flyers each day. I just thought of all the trees that we could have been breathing in their beautiful oxygen. Six flyers a day. And you see the ads all over TV, and, and uh, they never end up well. I'm going to take a soapbox complaint here and say uh, they're never about an exchange of ideas. They're about an attack of insults, and that's discouraging as a, as a Christian. And so we see these things, and there's this big political ad going on, and I want to nominate a new candidate. I want to nominate a new candidate this morning. Just go with me. They're not actually running. I want to nominate Joshua. Joshua. What are Joshua's qualifications for leadership? What would Joshua run on if he were going to run a campaign to be a leader? Well, I think he would start off with his early career. He would start off talking about Caleb. He would tell you that when he saw impossible odds to overcome, Caleb and himself went into the land. They saw the same giants that everyone else saw. They saw the same difficulties that everyone else saw. And when everyone else said, no, it's too much, even with God, we can't do this. They said, that's hogwash. With God, we can do anything. Let's take it. Let's get in there. And the people said, no. The people said, I don't think so. I don't think we can do it. Joshua and Caleb were right. Even though they were the minority, they were right. And God knew they were right. And so God decided to bless them and curse the others. They would see the promised land. The others wouldn't. Joshua would tell you that he was a visionary. Joshua would also tell you that by trusting God, the Hebrew people were able to capture the city of Jericho. Now think about this. Jericho, we like to sing the song, right? You know, the walls of Jericho, and you know, they played the trumpets, and you know, people were like, oh, trumpet music brought the house down. And you know, well, young people might say that, I don't know. Uh, but we, we hear about Jericho. Jericho was a fortress. Jericho was the mightiest fortress of the day. And they were defeated not with armies and weapons. They were defeated by the power of God. They were defeated by Joshua being obedient to God. Think about that. They didn't have scud missiles. They didn't have tanks. didn't have cavalry. They had obedience to the Lord God. And they defeated the mightiest fortress in the land. Joshua would tell you about that leadership. Maybe that would be his military background. Joshua would also tell you that by following God, he led the crossing of the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant. Now, river crossing is pretty easy for us now, right? We don't even think about it. There's a bridge there. You know, if there's not a bridge there, we go back and we say, well, we'll find another way. And we hop on a plane. I don't know. River crossing, not a big deal for us. A big deal back in the day. And they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant with them. And it was a treacherous crossing. You see, the Jordan was at flood level. 
And our friends up north know a lot about flood level right now. The river was raging. The water was higher than normal. You couldn't get the normal approach to the river. It was the most dangerous time possible to cross this river. Yet God told them, you need to get across. And you need to trust me that I'll get you across. And Joshua led his people across the Jordan River. So Joshua has great qualifications, actions that he performed that allow him to sort of have this claim to leadership. But what would Joshua's state of the union be for the Israelites? What would it be? What would we say about where we are now? Where we are now? One of the things that uh, happens in political ads is they say, you know, we're, we're failing here, we're doing well here. What would Joshua say was the state of the Israelites here? Well, let's read in verse 8, uh, starting in verse 8 here what Joshua says about the state of the Israelites. He says, Then I brought you into the land of the Amorites who lived beyond the Jordan, and they fought with you. And I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land when I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel, and he sent and summoned Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I was not willing to listen to Balaam, so he had to bless you and I delivered you from his hand. You crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, and the citizens of Jericho fought against you, and the Amorite, and the Pezzazite, and the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Girgashite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. You hear all those ites? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of armies. Thus I gave them into your hand. Then I sent the hornet before you, and it drove out the two kings of the Amorites from before you, but not by your sword or your bow. Joshua said, We are conquerors. We are conquerors. Look where we have come from. From slavery and oppression to being conquerors of these mighty armies. He would tell the Israelites, we are conquerors. He would instill confidence in his people. What else would Joshua say? I think he would tell them they've been blessed. Look at verse 13. It says, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities which you had not built, and you lived in them. You are eating of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. I think God's making a point here. If you go back and read through those verses 8 through 12, God keeps saying, I delivered them into your hand. You conquered. Yes, you were there. You did the fighting, but it was me who delivered them into your hand. But in verse 13, he puts in the exclamation point. He says, you see all this wonderful thing, all these wonderful things that you're enjoying? You see all this beauty and majesty and this great land that you have here? Guess what? You didn't do anything to earn that. I blessed you with that. I gave you with that. So Joshua told the people they were conquerors, but he also told the people they were blessed by God. They were blessed by God. And then finally, Joshua told the Israelites that they were at a crossroads. Now this is something he's going he's to have in common with every political ad of all time. Every political ad of all time is going to tell you this is the most important decision, the most important race of all time. I'm here to tell you that they are all lying. Every single one of those political ads says this is the most important one of all time. That is a lie. The most important decision of all time is whether or not Christ is going to be your Savior. Let's get that straight, okay? These are important. They're not the most important. Let's be clear there. But Joshua says we are at a big time for a decision. Because guess what? We fought the war. We fought the war. We won. God has blessed us. 
We have everything we ever wanted. And now we come to a time where you have to make a decision. Let's read verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Can you imagine? This group of people had just been through all of this. They had been led out of Egypt. They saw the ten plagues. They saw the, or the sea part before them and then swallow the Egyptian army. They've taken over Jericho. They've crossed the river. They've defeated the giants. They've defeated all these tribes. They've seen all this, and yet some of them want to go back to worshiping the gods they had when they were in Egypt. The gods that had them in slavery. The gods that did not deliver them. They didn't want necessarily to worship the Lord that had brought them to where they were. I like silence. Silence sometimes means people are thinking. Have you ever been so blessed, so wonderfully blessed, and then thought, well, maybe this was me. Maybe this was me. Maybe the reason that I have this wonderful job and I can afford to go golfing every week or I have this boat that I have or whatever it is, maybe that's all because I worked hard. It's because you were blessed. It's God blessed you. And uh, <laughs> there's a phrase that says, uh, he woke up on third and thought he hit a triple. I think sometimes that's us with God. We look where we are and we're like, man, everything's going good. I got a good bank account. You know, people like me. I got nice hair. We look at these things and we say, man, I got it going. I must be doing something right. When really, God has blessed us to put that in, us in that position. We thought we did the work to get there. God blessed us and put us there. Woke up on third, thought we had a triple. Joshua says, you've got a decision to make. You've got a decision to make. Verse 15, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord... Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. And notice Joshua, like every good leader, he gives them the choice. He wants to make them to make the decisions themselves. He says, if after all of this you've decided that the Lord is not the one you want to serve, if that's the case, after all this time, that's what you've decided, then you've got a decision to make. You can serve the old God that you served before, those false gods, go ahead. Go back and serve them. But here's what he says at the end of verse 15. And you know it well. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that right there would be his campaign motto. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was a great leader. He was a fantastic leader. He explained to them what was going on. He helped lead them through all of this. Always gave the glory to God. Always served God. Joshua is known for strict obedience to what God had him do. And at the end, he didn't force somebody and tell them it's going to be this way. He said, look, if you can't get this, if you don't understand, if you can't get it, I'm going to explain it to you the best I can. But myself, as the leader... You make your own decision. Me, I'm serving God. My whole family, we're serving God. Get on board. 
And Joshua was enough of a leader that they go on later in the chapter and they start telling about, oh, surely we cannot serve anyone but the Lord. Now here's an interesting question. Later on in the chapter they say, well, surely we can't serve anyone but the Lord. But there had to be a reason Joshua was making this speech. Right? I mean, he's not just talking to talk. I do that sometimes. But he does it. He, he's not just talking to talk. There's a reason. People were uh, serving and living for the old gods even after everything that God had done for them. And Joshua, being a dynamic leader, being a man who obeyed God, got up in front of them and said, you can make whatever choice you want. That's on you. But I'm here to tell you, as your leader, I will serve the Lord. Dynamic leaders are powerful. Dynamic leaders are powerful. And Joshua was a powerful leader. And so uh, I learned uh, in my time in seminary that any sermon without an application is just a talk. All right? And I, I don't want to just give a talk, so I want to give you some application. What are some ways that we can actually use this information that we get from Joshua in our nation? And here's the first. The most important decision on your plate is not between political parties, but between Christ and self. The most important decision you have to make is not between political parties, but between serving Christ and serving yourself. I'm not going to say other gods because they don't exist. Those other gods are manifestations of selfishness. You can decide to live for God or you can decide to live for yourself. That's the choice that Joshua is telling these people they have. Live for God, live for yourself. Joshua knows that the correct choice for him and his family is to live for Christ. He knows that's the correct choice for everyone. It's not about political parties. It's about... Are you going to live for Christ or are you going to live for yourself? A friend of mine, uh, his name is uh, Vince. His stage name is I Die. He's a uh, Christian rapper, um, not the candy kind. Uh, some of you got that. He's a hip-hop artist. I've worked with him on several occasions. Just a great guy. He's actually a youth pastor in Georgia. And he posted something on his Facebook. And 95% of stuff posted on Facebook is not worth repeating. But this was... He said, I'm more concerned about who you're living for than who you're voting for. I'm much more concerned about who you're living for than who you're voting for. That's the decision that faces us today. Who are we going to live our lives for? We don't have to punch a ballot ticket for that. We have to have a conversation with God for that. And there's an application not only for our nation but for our church. Joshua urged the Israelites to enjoy their riches. Their hard-fought battles had won them. He wanted them to enjoy what they had won, what God had given to them, what God had blessed them. He never once said, don't uh, drink the milk and honey. He wanted them to enjoy that. He didn't say, "Go, don't go live in the beautiful fields. He wanted them to enjoy that. As a church, one thing I have learned in the past month of being here is that this church has fought a lot of battles. This church has fought a lot of battles. And they've come through on the other side of those battles. Unprecedented battles. Battles for freedom. For independence. And you made it. I'm here to tell you congratulations. You're on the other side. You're in the promised land. It was difficult, I'm sure. I've, I've talked to people, I've had conversations, and they tell me it's the most difficult thing they've ever been through. And I believe it. I believe it. But God brought you through. God brought us through, and He brought us to this point. 
an independent church, free to do the ministry that God has called us to do without having to go check with someone else, free to do God's work in this community. That's what we fought for, is it not? That's what that campaign was for, was it not? Now that we are here, I encourage you, do that ministry. Do that ministry. Sometimes we fight so hard we get used to the fighting and we like it. Don't like the fighting. Enjoy the reward. The reward is that you are on the other side, able to do the ministry that God has called this church to do, and a wonderful place to do that. I encourage us as a church family to use this opportunity, use what God has blessed us to do, to reach hearts and souls for Jesus Christ. Enjoy the victory and do God's work. And lastly, I want to say this. I want to thank you for allowing me to be up here today. I, uh, I've only been here a month. I know some of you are like, my goodness, it seems like a lot longer. Uh, I've only been up here a month. But I want to thank you for allowing me to stand in this pulpit to tell you things that I know sometimes you don't want to hear from an outsider. For all intents and purposes, I'm an outsider. I just want to leave you with this. Please understand this. The biggest decision that you have to make is who you're going to live for, not who you're going to live for. If you live your life for Christ, if you dedicate yourself to living for Christ, that's going to have so much more importance and so much more of an impact on this world than whichever button you push at the ballot box. Live a life for Christ and you will live a significant life. Let's pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you for this time today. God, I want to thank you for your words and your wisdom. God, I pray that it touched someone's heart. And Lord, I just pray that at this time, we would all focus on living for you, giving all of ourselves to you. God, other things come up in life and and sure they have importance but they pale in comparison to the importance of dedicating our lives to you i pray that our church would have a renewed sense of that here today we love you we praise in your name amen thank you for listening to the trinity now podcast For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.